session with Dr. Farid Holakou. Good afternoon and welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Tolakwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call in with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any emotional or psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram, or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program, and the shows are uploaded then each week to my SoundCloud page and podcast on iTunes. Before I get to some calls, um, the book of the week I'll announce, and also the book for the next week. So next week I won't be doing any live shows. I'll be out of town. Um, so I will announce the book and put it on my social media, and then when I come back, we'll talk about both of the books. So the one for this week, which I mentioned Monday, is Emotional Advantage, Embracing All Your Feelings to Create a Life You Love by Randy Taran. Uh, and as you can imagine, I am a big fan of people embracing all of their feelings. And there's an emphasis on all because it's not just the good ones, the ones that feel good, also the ones that don't feel so good. Those are very important. And the book for next week will be The Knowledge Illusion, Why We Never Think Alone by Stephen Sloman and Philip Fernbach. So Looking forward to reading those two and sharing them with you, not next week, but the week after. Okay, let's go to some calls. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Uh, hello. Yes, hi, hello thank again. you for calling. Uh, thank you. Mr. Uh, Hulek, I have a question about my son. Okay. Uh, uh, actually, he's one year old, mm-hmm. and uh, I've been taking him to several pediatricians. Okay, for for something which has been really important to me, uh, you know, the I, I actually I have been told I have heard that um, you know something about breastfeeding. Okay. That you know the a mom should just, for example, breastfeed just until the 14 months uh, old. Okay, but you know these uh, these specialists in my city. Okay, all all of them have rejected this issue. Okay. They say that you should breastfeed longer or shorter. Uh, no, you know, actually, all of them agree that you know, actually, uh, that concrete uh, uh, of time, which is about two year, uh, two two years. Okay, it, it must be followed. Okay, but you know, the uh, according to uh, I think it was your father. Okay, who mentioned that uh, just fourteen months uh, would be okay. Otherwise. It would lead to something like oral fixation. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, is your question about that, about the breastfeeding, and when to stop? You know, and actually, uh, those specialists, okay, just wanted to know uh, what sources uh, actually uh, are out there that can prove that. How? Who can prove that? Yeah, actually, uh, you know, I was wondering if there's. Uh, if there's any research out there that I could refer to, to just make sure that you know whatever, for example, I've heard from your do- from your father, or for example, you know those people, those people who are who I've mentioned. Okay, now actually, which which side I have to pick? Okay, yeah. because you know I want to I want to no actually I don't want to feel guilty later. Okay, for example, sure. 
uh, my wife just breastfeed our son, just for example, for you know actually 14 months, which is uh, which is about eight months shorter than usual. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I can't give you. I don't have any research on hand. You can always look online, and when you look online, you'll find lots of things. Probably some things saying in favor of one year, fourteen months, two years. I don't know if there's anything concrete, one hundred percent, that there is a specific length of time. And I can't speak for my father or for anyone else, so I can share with you my own thoughts about the issue. Um, and with a lot of these things, we try to come up with the exact time that this is the specific time that a child should, let's say, sleep in their own bed, or they should be sleep trained, or they should do this or do that. And we want to have a right answer. And as you said, because we can feel guilty or we feel a lot of pressure that if we don't do the right thing, we are damaging our baby, we're hurting our baby, and it's going to affect them negatively for the rest of their lives. And of course, things do matter, and we want to be um, educating ourselves and looking into a lot of these issues to understand what's the best way to approach different things. But more often than not, it's not that one specific moment or one length of time is the right time and any other time is going to be the wrong time. So I don't want you to put that kind of pressure on if you stop at 14 months, you're going to damage your child. If you do two years, it has to give your child an oral fixation. It can have that effect. But if you try to put too much of a strict timeline either way, you might put more pressure on yourself and your child that will hurt them anyway. So I don't have an exact answer for you that this is the right time, that there it has been proven that if you breastfeed more than 14 months, it will definitely lead to oral fixation or vice versa. If you don't go until two years, it's going to lead to emotional issues or attachment issues. It definitely is not that concrete as far as I know, and we don't have that kind of data to say for sure it's going to do one way or the other. Again, up to my knowledge. So I would be more aware of how your child is responding to things. If you'd like, of course, I think it makes sense to research online, but be aware that when you look online, you have to be careful of whose research you're looking at or whose opinion. Many people just post their opinion as if it's fact online, but there's nothing to back it up. So be aware of that too. Um, But there isn't some set time, I would say, you have to be so careful that if you do more than 14 months, it's bad than uh, something else. Personally, I think two years is on the longer side. I think less is okay. Um, I'm curious, what did the doctors tell you is the benefit of going till two years? Sorry, would you please repeat? Sorry, you know, sure. Your sure, you were saying the doctors were telling you to breastfeed until two years. What were they saying is the benefit of making sure you go till two years? Uh, you know, the, nothing is special, but you know, the, what worries me is that, you know, I've researched uh, some about oral fixation or, uh, you know, kind of uh, cons that it will bring, uh, it will bring, it will bring lung, okay? So, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's the thing that which is which is concerning me. Yeah, yeah. I think I mean it can. I, like I said, it, it's possible that it does that. I don't. I can't tell you for sure that if you breastfeed to two years, it's going to happen. I I think two years is longer. Like I said, less is okay. I don't know. Again, I would ask the doctors why they're saying two years and don't stop before then. There must be a reason they're saying that. So you can ask them what they're saying also. I don't think it's necessary. I think less is okay. Uh, there could be also cultural things, Persian culture and in Iran, it's going to be much more about um, a more dependent type of a relationship or what we might consider dependent here in the United States. So they see that as okay. 
Whereas I'm more okay with a little bit of separation between the mother and the child also. Doesn't mean actual separation, but I mean that there doesn't have to be the breastfeeding. So to me, that would be okay to stop before two years. But also something I'm hearing in how you're talking about things. Like like I said, and I think your, your baby also wants to talk too. But as you were talking about the pressure I hear and how you're talking about things, it's very important for you to do the research, to talk to doctors and, and be aware of all of these things. But don't put too much of a pressure on yourself that if we do something slightly different or if we don't know exactly what to do with something, we're going to damage our child in a big way because that at times puts more pressure on yourself, the family, on your baby than the difference in stopping at 14 months versus 16 months. So just I want you to be aware of that because I feel that in how you're asking the questions that you might put too much pressure on the situation, then that can hurt even more. As your child gets older, for example, if he wants to go to bed at 8 or 8.30, it doesn't make that much of a difference, 8 or 8.30. But we'll, what will make a difference is if you make it a stressful situation or if you make a power struggle with your child. That's going to affect them more than if 8 or 8.30 is the right bedtime. So we definitely want to look at these things. You can research them and find out what seems to make sense. And then on top of that, every child is unique. Not every child is going to respond to the same type of treatment in the same way. So you have to look at your own child too. If they're refusing to breastfeed, let's say now, and you say, no, we have to force him to breastfeed for eight more months, I think that's more of a problem than looking at how he's also interacting as well. So be aware of those things too, that your child is unique. And of course, there's some things that all babies are going to share in common. But at the same time, there's some things that make each child unique and different. Okay. So, sir, I have, a, I have another question. Sure. Uh, you know, again, about the same issue. Uh, not, you know that there are too many uh, uh, sources out there mm -hmm. online, but, you know, are there any websites uh, or any other sources that you would recommend? That's a good question, and maybe I should look into that more because I don't have something I would say this is a good website and this is not. I mean, there is a lot that are not, but I can't name all of those. I would always say if you look up research, it can be good to see if it's from a university or from something that has some backing because a lot of people will say, here's a study, but the study was just done by someone and they didn't really follow scientific method and the basic standards. So usually if it's coming from a university, that gives you more of confidence in it, but of course still sometimes it doesn't have to mean it's good science. But I would just look for reputable websites. If you just Google breastfeeding, you're going to get, like you said, thousands of results. And so you want to look at the sources if it's coming from a professional organization. Like let's say in America, there's American Pediatric Association. That's something I would say is going to be more reputable. So you can look that up. Um, I know, I think you said you're calling from Iran, but uh, that's something that they release lots of information about child rearing and different things. So there's the American Pediatric Association. That's one place you can look, and they have um, lots of information online. So that, that's one place to start. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so it looks like I, have another, I, I don't have another question, okay? And thanks uh, for your consideration and for your time that you spent. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for calling. Best of luck to you, and I'm very happy we got to talk. Okay. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Take care. Bye-bye. Goodbye. All right. So thank you to our caller there. And, you know, um, as I mentioned to him, a book I really enjoyed was by Claudia Gold, um, The Early, uh, the Science of Early Childhood Development, I think it was called. And uh, in that book, 
she even talks about there isn't a lot of timelines about things. There is some, but it's more about recognizing that how you interact with your child is very important. And there isn't always a set time for a lot of things. And if you don't look at your unique child, you might miss what they actually need. Children will have different needs and desires and ways of interacting with things that make it so that you have to be mindful of them and see them as well as looking at the research, talking to doctors and all of those things. And that's what can make it so challenging is because there isn't one set way to raise every child. If we raise them all the same way, we'll be missing what they uniquely need. Some children will refuse to breastfeed at a, after several months. Could this have effects? Yes. But to force them to breastfeed might even be worse than allowing them to stop earlier than what might be ideal. And so these are the challenges that you face as a parent is figuring out what are the best things, researching things, and even that, as he mentioned and we talked about, is very difficult because you can read research or people giving their opinions in a hundred different ways. But you should do all that to try to be as educated as you can, but also make sure you approach your child as a human being, as someone who has their own uniqueness. That means you can't treat them just by a recipe or cookbook fashion. You have to interact with them in a way that recognizes them for who they are. All right, let's go to a commercial break and then we'll get to some more callers. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delacqui. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Or I guess you're not. Hello, yes. <laughs> Hello. Hello. We can hear you, but barely. Hello. Yes, hi. Hi. <laughs> hi. Um, my baby has um, Okay, I'm confused. Hi. Um, we talked on the phone earlier, and it was about the psychology lesson thing. Yeah, I, you mean you called another time, or you mean just before we came on the air? Uh, before we came on the air. Okay, uh, right. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, we're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to start from scratch because people are not listening to mm -hmm. the 30 seconds we got to talk before the show. So mm -hmm. go ahead, let me know um, what you're calling about. Okay, so I'm calling about, because I wanted to study psychology in college. Okay. And I've heard from a lot of people that it doesn't make good money, and I don't know, like, how I can make, because I've seen people make um, a lot of money out of it, so... I wanted to see how I can have a successful job with a psychology major. Okay. Well, you, I mean, you can make um, money with almost any major, but with psychology, you can. It's, it's different. There maybe are other ones, other majors that might be even more financially secure. Uh, for me, it's very important to find something you really enjoy, that you are passionate about, and also you're good at, that it is part of your skills. And then you can usually find a way to make money or enough money. Depends on what we're talking mm -hmm. about when we say make, make money. So um, first, let me know how old you are and a little bit about what's going on in your life. So how old are you? I'm 17 right now. 17. Okay, so you haven't started college yet. Um, no, I'm going into senior year right now. Okay, so you have some time to figure that out as well. And so mm -hmm. what, what even makes you like or, or, or makes you think you want to study psychology? Um, I took an AP course, and I really, like, loved it. Okay. And it was a really just interesting topic for me, and I'm, like, willing to study it. Like, it's, 
my favorite thing I've ever studied, and I'm. It really always interests me how people think mm -hmm. and just figuring out what goes on. Yeah. Well, I mean, I obviously I can relate to you. I, I feel the same way. I think psychology is very interesting, and you even the way you talk about it, it seems like you have the passion for it, and you're interested and excited about it and wanting to learn more, and, and those are all good mm -hmm. signs. And now you're, mm -hmm. because of your age, you don't have to really know exactly what you would want to do as a career, but there's lots of different careers someone could take if you major in psychology. Of course, you could be a therapist like myself. Um, but you mm -hmm. could also do research, you can do consulting. There's lots of different areas that you could, uh, or careers you could pursue studying psychology. So you've brought this up, and then you said, who's told you or where have you heard people telling you not to study it or that it's not a good way to make money? Um, a lot of, like, um, of family friends we have. Like, for example, my friend's dad, he said that he had a... Um, major in psychology, and then later on he changed it because he thought that it would like not really financially support him. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that was just his experience, or I don't know like if it's a certain thing that would it's a, a certain um, degree you need to get that would get you the financial like you would make a lot of money. But I don't know like really what to think because. For example, my teacher told me that you can make good money out of it, but every other person that I've talked to really said, like, you really can't make good money out of psychology. Well, I mean, I don't I don't agree with that. You can look up statistics, but um, you're obviously going to be one person, so you, you care about how much you can make. But you definitely can make a career and a very happy and healthy living as a psychologist or studying psychology, if you become a therapist, of course, you can work for a hospital or a clinic or a company or different things, or you can have a private practice, which can be hard to establish and to get clients and to build your practice. But if you are able to do that, there is a lot of potential to make to make money that uh, you know, you'll be happy with. Now, if you're saying, I want to make millions of dollars a year, being a practicing therapist probably won't be that. But if you want to be financially stable you definitely can do that studying psychology and so i think it's important for you to think about what do you want or what are your life goals and what you want to do because it has to fit for you so if someone says i want to make all i care about is making a lot of money maybe becoming a therapist is not the right path for if you just want to make money but if you say i really want to do something i'm passionate about something i enjoy mm -hmm. uh, let's say you want to help people and you want to do that through being a therapist or other means which would open up by studying psychology, then then mm -hmm. that could make sense. So I guess that's a question for you. What do you think you want? Um, I really want to have a job because I know having a job is, it's not like a um, thing that you have for like five years. It's a thing you have to work with for years, like probably like at least like 30 years that you have to work with it. Mm -hmm. So I would want a job that I wake up and I'm like, okay, I'm happy to go to work. Then yeah. being like, oh my God, this again. <laughs> like, yeah, I would, yeah. And like psychology just, it's like not a boring job. It's not like a boring office job either. It's like a different story every time. And that's why like, I just like love it. It's because it's never the same thing. It's mm -hmm. always like different stories that you hear from people. It's always different. Well, um, yeah, it's different and the same, and you know, so and like any job, it can get challenging. But yeah, it seems like you find it interesting. And so, the way you're talking about it, it seems like you'd like to become a therapist. 
Yeah, I really do. And, like, I like talking to people, too. So it's, like, I feel like it would, one of my strengths is, like, social skills because I'm really comfortable with talking to people and, like, always making new friends and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, people usually, like, I have a lot of friends that trust me as well. So I feel like I have a strength in people taking people's trust and trying to make a connection with them, mm-hmm. relate to them and all that. Like, I feel like, I could become successful in that kind of thing, and it's, like, something I'm really passionate about. Yeah. And other things that I think about studying, like, for example, my mom studied biology, and it's a good um, major to have because it opens you up to a lot of jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't find that really, um, like, appealing to me because... I just don't find it that interesting. I mean, I still do find it interesting, but I feel like after a few years, I would really get tired of, like, studying it. I would really get tired of, like, having a job with mm-hmm. that major. So Yeah, well, that's very important. And I'm, do you, are you getting pressure from your family about what to study? My mom is really pressuring me to figure it out right now Yeah. of what I want to study. And I still want to have the, like, I still want to be open because yeah. you never know. Because, for example, last year I wanted to become a dentist and then I took an AP psychology course and I was like, okay, I really like psychology now. Yeah, and I think so, I, I don't want you to feel I'm. you don't need to make that decision now and that's why even in some of what we've talked about, I realized I'm talking about your career and what it's going to look like exactly and you don't need to figure that out. It's, it's okay to think about it, but I don't want you to feel that pressure to figure that out yet. And you definitely don't need to know yet. It's def- I think it's good to think about it, to look at what interests you, what you're passionate about, what you're interested in, and to think about what you want to do. But as you mentioned yourself, it's very possible that will even change. Last year you wanted to be a dentist, now you're thinking psychology. And a great part of uh, college in the United States or university is that you, the first year, two years, you're taking general ed courses in different disciplines, different fields, and you can find your passion or see what you're interested in, maybe something you never even thought of. You go and take a class and you find that that's what you want to pursue. So I, I'm not sure where the pressure is from your mom or why she's so, it seems, worried that you need to figure out what you want to study, but don't put that pressure on yourself. You don't need to know. Mm-hmm. I, I was uh, pre-med my first year of college. I thought I wanted to be a doctor and then I took a psychology class kind of like what you experienced when I did it in college and then I was like oh this is definitely what I want to study and then I majored in psychology and really never looked back and I'm happy I did that and it felt very right to me but I don't think you need to feel this pressure that you have to have it all figured out has she expressed why she thinks it's so important for you to know now um she's just really my mom is a very worried person and even when we talk to your dad about it like she has a very um negative point of view she's really worried all the time yeah and she's the kind of person not only she's like black or white like she Mm -hmm. doesn't ever have a balance or middle ground in her thought like she thinks if you don't know your future now you're gonna be like you're gonna end up in jail like (laughs) yeah like she never has a balance of like she either thinks you're gonna be really successful and rich or really poor like and really a bad person yeah well and that's even what i felt in what you were saying like can you make money inside i mean you definitely can make money in psychology where you're okay but is it like either you're going to be broke or be incredibly wealthy maybe neither um but that pressure she's feeling you know a lot of times we 
most of life is uncertain or a lot of times we don't know what's going to happen but because of our anxiety and because we can't sit with that not knowing we want to know so it almost seems like she wants you to already convince her now that in 20 years you're going to be successful rich and happy and okay and there's no way to show her that right now there's always a guarantee yeah and there's no and there's nothing we need to really worry about either that something really bad is going to happen it seems like at the way i'm talking you know you're talking to me you seem like you're maybe too mature or thinking, you know, even too far ahead about these things. So I don't think she needs to worry about you so much. But if anything, this is the problem is the pressure she's putting on you will hurt you more than help you in achieving the things she wants you to achieve anyway. And it should be that you achieve them for yourself, not for her. Um, mm -hmm. Is she listening to our conversation, by the way? Um, she is, but she doesn't really understand English. Okay, so I have to, okay. Like, translate it for after okay, well, you probably have to translate it after, yeah, because I want to be able to talk and you, you, you can let her know um, what we talked about. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, I don't want her to put that pressure on you. And even it's something interesting, the fact that you want to be a therapist. At times, people who want to be a therapist, they're good at taking care of other people's feelings. And so something mm -hmm. maybe you can think about is if you've done that in your own family or if you're used to being there and taking care of other people's feelings but sometimes not being as in touch or sharing your own feelings does that relate yeah, to you yeah, yeah. yeah okay yeah you know a book you might like and i don't want to give you homework when you're you know you're still about to start maybe you can read it before school mm -hmm. starts but it's called the drama of the gifted child by mm -hmm. alice miller and the reason why i'm recommending that is that she talks about how a lot of therapists and psychologists have a certain type of um, childhood experience, which is that they were the gifted child is someone who's sensitive to other people's feelings and is mm -hmm. in a family where they've been asked in some way unconsciously to take care of other people's feelings a little bit more and put their own feelings aside. And so they get used to this, putting their own feelings away and taking care of other people's feelings. And so because of that, the field of psychology and being a therapist makes a lot of sense because in that profession, you're constantly just taking care of other people's emotions and putting your own away. So you might relate to that, and maybe that might be why you're drawn to that, but it also means you're gonna have to go through this journey of getting more in touch with your own feelings and recognizing that you're allowed to have them and express them as well. So mm -hmm. it's just something for you to also think about, but I hope your mom will also give you some more freedom and flexibility and be okay with you not knowing and you don't have to give her all the answers and just giving you a little bit of space to have your experience and make the decisions when you need to make them. You don't need to figure out everything for 20 years from now today. Right now you need to think about what you want to study a little bit, but get ready for your senior year. And then when you go to college, take some classes, you can continue psychology if you're still interested in it and see how much you keep liking it. And you can even change that as well. But the pressure she's putting on you, unfortunately, what I always tell parents is, you know, usually we think we want to make our kids more successful, so we put pressure on them, but the pressure usually crushes them rather than pushes them forward. Mm -hmm. So I hope she'll give you a little bit of more leeway and space, and I hope you'll give yourself that too um, to, to make these decisions when the time comes. You don't need to figure it out yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally understand that. Thank you so much. Sure. I don't know if you have a little more time because... There was like another thing that's like totally off this topic that I wanted to mention. Do we have more time? Yeah, we could. So you're saying it's a question not related to what you want to study, but something else about yourself? Yeah. Yeah, is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, so you, so we're just about to get to commercial break. So I'm going to go, we'll take the commercial break now. And when we come back, we'll keep talking, okay? Okay. Okay, right. got it. Thank, Thank you, you so much. 
All right, you're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Lukwe. We'll be right back. Back before the break, we were with a caller. Let's go back to her now. Hello, are you still there? Hello. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. We lost you there for a minute. I'm glad you called back. Okay, so mm-hmm. uh, before the break, we talked. To, you were asking about studying psychology and uh, picking a major and those kinds of things. But you said you had a other another question. So please go ahead. Mm-hmm. I have another question about. Um, so my mom is really. Um, so we came from Iran to here about five, six years ago. Okay. And I was in seventh grade, and this is my senior year, so we came in when I was in seventh grade. Mm -hmm. And so I pretty much, like, grew up with here's system and, like, the schools here and the most important years I was here. So my thoughts are really different with her about relationships (laughs) with people. Yeah. And, for example, I'm not allowed to date, which is, which I'm, like, I... At first, I was not um, accepting, but then I accepted it. It's fine. Um, and the thing that I'm it's like still not accepting is the fact that she's really um, sensitive and really it's really important to her when I hang out with guys, and it's really annoying to me because I don't like. I came to the conclusion I had two boyfriends and. Um, I even told her about it afterwards because during I couldn't because she would get mad at me. But I told her afterwards, and she um, she got mad at me, of course, and all that. But I came to the conclusion myself that um, relationships are not for me at this age. They're not gonna go anywhere, so it doesn't matter. So I pretty much like gave up on the whole relationship thing, and I don't even want to date. But the fact that bothers me is that I have a lot of guy friends, and she doesn't let me hang out with them. Like, even in groups, not even, like, alone. Like, going out with, like, a group of friends, like, I'm not allowed to. If, like, there's, a, like, guys in the, like, if it's guys yeah. in that group, there's a problem. Even, like, guys that I've been friends with for years, like, she just doesn't like that. And it's, like, really annoying and frustrating. I, I could see that, because, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, so... Yeah, what you're dealing with is, of course, all parents and kids, by definition, are from different generations. So there's always going to be some level of seeing things differently. But especially in your case, that gets... By the way, someone talking in the background, it's it's kind of coming in. Um, That was my mom saying something to, like, tell you, but... <laughs> okay, if it... Yeah, it's a little bit... Because sometimes it comes in kind of a little bit loud. So, um... <laughs> Yeah, so you know, but they're def- You guys are def- different generations, but then what you have on top of that is, in a way, a different culture. So of course, your, you know, heritage is the same as your parents, but you've grown up here, and I think you're saying you're in the United States, and so because of that, you have a different exposure to the culture, and also the people around you are different. So if you live your life as an Iranian lives their life in Iran, you won't do very well here. You have to adjust to the culture here in America to be mm-hmm. happy and to survive and to thrive and have good social relationships because that's where you are. You can't live with their mentality here, but of course your mom is having that mentality and bringing it and putting it onto you because also mm-hmm. what w- happens with these kinds of things is it's not just the difference between, let's say, Persian food versus American food where it's a different taste. 
with these kinds of things, it can feel like a moral issue. Like what you're going to do is a wrong thing morally if you act like the Americans or if you do some of these things. And she feels mm-hmm. a stress that she can't let you do these wrong things. It's not just about you like certain music that's different from them. It's that you're going down this wrong path. And so you hear it a lot that people will say, oh, my daughter or my son is becoming like those Americans or becoming like those whatever culture it is. And mm-hmm. they don't just say that it's different. They're saying it's something bad or wrong. And we have to protect them or prevent them from going down that path. And so she's putting that onto you and putting that pressure that if, yeah, you're in a group and there's boys there, that's going to affect how people see you or that's going to have a negative impact on your social status and how you're viewed by different people when that's absolutely mm-hmm. not the case, even maybe in Iran, but especially here, if you're in a group of people and there's guys and girls, no one thinks anything of it. It's not a big deal at all. And even when you said, you know, I dated and then I hid it from her and I'm okay not dating now or I don't want to date, the pressure she puts on you makes it very hard for you to even know what you want because you know that if you say you want to date, you have to deal with all this stress from her. Either you have to hide it or you have to tell her and she's going to be upset about it. You start to judge yourself for doing it. So you might just think, you know, it's easier just to not even do that. And that's what I was talking about in the previous segment when I recommended that book to you, The Drama of the Gifted Child, is because a lot of times people that want to go into the field of psychology or to be a therapist, they're very used to putting what they want away or their own um feelings or desires away and so much so that they start to get out of touch with it so you might not even realize actually you know i I want that but i didn't let myself realize i wanted it because i knew it would come with so much stress or it might upset my mom or create these problems so i just kind of Mm -hmm. forgot i even wanted that thing so that that is my concern there and i can see how socially you want to hang out with your friends and they get together in a group but if there's boys there for your mom that's always like a uh, a red flag that she has to get involved or tell you not to go or uh, be aware of these things. And it's tough for you to deal with that. You're in between these two cultures at home, your mom and your family, you have this very strong Iranian culture, but then you live in America. So it's the American culture and you're trying to navigate in between. That can be very difficult. Mm-hmm. No, I, I totally get that. And like right now my mom said to tell you this, that like she's really um, worried because I always, um, I don't want to, like, sound cocky or, like, too confident or anything like that. This is what my mom said. She says that I'm, like, a really pretty girl with, like, a pretty body and stuff. And, like, I get a lot of attention from guys all the time. And, like, she thinks that, like, and if I have a guy friend, they're, like, trying to do something. And that's why she doesn't let me. Okay, but I mean, and you know, that could be the case and that you might have guy friends that are attracted to you or want more of a romantic or sexual relationship than just a friendship. That's possible. But she has to allow for you to figure out what's going on for yourself and to trust you to make the right decisions, as is going to be the case. Um, okay, let's say she says you're a beautiful girl, so what do we do? We don't even send you to school because then boys will be there or we don't send you to get a job at any point or college or, you know, I I get that. You know, it's interesting. You said my mom is worried and you paused and it kind of made sense because it seems the way that you're describing her, she's always worried about something. So she is Uh just worried, period, almost all the time. And so she's going to be worried about everything. And the problem is she's putting her anxiety onto you. I get it. She's concerned about you, what happens, the decisions you make. And, and that's understandable for her 
to even have worries. But you can't keep putting that onto you or saying, because I'm worried, you have to make me feel okay by doing this or by not doing this. She clearly cares about you a lot. She loves you and she wants to take care of you. But in trying to put her anxieties onto you, she's going to likely hurt you more and make you uh, not get to live the life you want to live. And you'll be living it more for her than for yourself. I totally understand and agree with that. Yeah. It's just like her that doesn't accept that point of view. And no matter like who tells her, she's just like, oh, like they're too um, positive. Like, <laughs> yeah. And she doesn't see that she's too negative and worried. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing with, you know, worry is that in a way it's like the worst case scenario. And this is also another way that parents and kids always are going to disagree. And I've seen it so many times is for parents, of course, they want their kids to be happy and have a good life. But even more, a lot of times the feeling is I just want to make sure nothing bad happens to my kid. So I work with a lot mm -hmm. of families and they'll say, you know, my kid wants to go to a party and because they're worried there could be drugs there, there could be alcohol there, things can happen there, they can get in trouble. They say, why don't you just stay home and we'll have fun here at home? Because for them, the most important thing is that they're safe. They just don't want them to get hurt. Whereas for the kid, they want to go experience life. They want to socialize and go to the party and have those experiences. They don't want to feel left out or that they missed something. And so their perspective is more about the enjoyment side, but their parents' perspective is more on the safety side. So the parent just mm -hmm. wants them to be okay. So for your mom, it's like, who cares if you never even see a guy till you're 25, 30 years old? It's okay. You'll be fine because she's just worried about all the negatives that she worries about can happen. Whereas for you, you want to experience life and it's good for you to experience life and have social interactions and even romantic interactions and to live your life. You need that. Or another thing that happens mm -hmm. is a lot of parents themselves might have smoked cigarettes or tried drugs or alcohol at a young age. But then now when they have kids, they're like, no, no, never. They should never even touch it or try it or it's bad or it's this and so even something they themselves did that they obviously felt okay about when they were a teenager now they don't want their own kid to have those same experiences because to them it's more about i just want them to be safe i don't want anything bad to happen to them and we just want to prevent them from getting hurt rather than really living a full life and so you and your mom especially if she's prone to worry and anxiety are probably going to constantly butt heads in this way because she's going to just look at how to make you safe or to make sure nothing bad can happen. And you're going to want to live life and have experiences. And so that's always going to be a way that you'll probably disagree with each other, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Is your father, in, I didn't ask much about the family picture. Do you have siblings? Do you live with your father? What's the family life? Um, my mom is, my mom and dad are not divorced. They're together. My dad just lives in a different city because of his job. Hmm. And I have a four-year-old brother, which we're like 12 years apart. Okay, that's actually a really big gap. And that's the only sibling you have? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is your mom telling you to add some more? Um, sorry, what did you say? I, I don't know if your mom was talking to you. Was your mom telling you yeah, to Yeah, I'm so sorry. I keep telling her to be quiet, but she doesn't listen to me. Yeah, is she asking you to add, tell me certain things? Um, she's in the that doesn't have to do with anything. She's saying That's, that. Is she saying that you get very sad if a relationship ends? Um. Well, I did because it was my first boyfriend. That's okay. That Well, that's the thing. And so, you know, she's, it again, happens, yeah. yeah. And so, so a few things is happening. Again, clearly she cares about you a lot. Um, but even one that she thinks she has to, in our conversation, 
make sure she says certain things, shows a certain level of wanting to control and to control you. So if you do something, if you're involved with something, she has to come in and do something because she doesn't allow you to figure it out or even give you that faith that you're going to figure it out. And then the other part is, again, that's it, it almost confirms what I was saying before, which is what a lot of parents feel, is that she's supposed to prevent your pain. So if you date someone and you get sad afterwards, then you should never date anyone because you might get sad that's afterwards. That's exactly how Right. Is. And yeah. so that's not at all my approach to life is that actually you have relationships you get close to people and you get sad look if we actually want to make sure no one gets sad you and your mom should not get close to each other because i know we don't mm -hmm. like to think about it but sometime let's hope 70 80 years down the line you and her are not one of you won't be here anymore so should you guys not get mm -hmm. close to each other because someday one of you won't be here anymore and it might hurt when that happens i would say absolutely mm -hmm. not i hope you guys have a very loving healthy relationship to each other and yes when that day comes when it does have to end however that is it'll be very sad and it'll actually be so sad because you guys love each other so much because it's such a beautiful relationship so i i completely disagree with living a life trying to make sure we avoid something that can lead to pain because then we should never actually even have kids because that's to me the most painful thing someone could experience is something bad happening to their child and so why expose yourself to potentially the most painful thing it's because you think it's worth it to have that child so um to me the fact that you get very sad after a breakup doesn't mean and even as interesting the way you said it to me was you were defending it saying well it was because it was my first breakup it's i don't think you need to be defending being sad after a breakup that's okay and i think a lot of times that reflects the closeness you felt with that person and the emotions that were involved. But I think your mom gets so worried when she sees you sad and she can't tolerate it herself. So she thinks that that should be a reason for you not to date mm -hmm. or to be with someone. So, um, you know, a lot of your mom's mindset is what a lot of parents have, which is that if something makes my kid sad, they shouldn't do it or we should prevent whatever it was. But I don't want you mm -hmm. to avoid living your life to, in order to avoid pain. I hope that you experience things and... Sometimes they'll make you very, very happy and have wonderful, beautiful experiences, but also sometimes it can lead to pain and sadness, and that's okay, too. Mm, and you learn from it. Yeah, I totally understand yeah. that. I'll tell her everything you said. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, you know, I hope you can you know, talk to her about these things. It's, it's tough, I think. One thing I would, I'm sure you can, um, you feel this, that it's so hard for her to tolerate you being sad is my my oh. guess and that's again also in that book the drama of the gift the child talks about that is that when the child sees that the parent is so hurt by their feelings they start to hide those feelings or even not have those feelings because they see how hurtful it is and i don't want you to feel like you have to hide any of your feelings or put any of them away if you're saddened by something you are allowed to express that and to share share that with her and it would be good if she can hold that space for you to be sad, meaning that you're allowed to cry and she can handle it and not just make you have to put it away because you need that mm -hmm. space. And if she can change that mindset that her job is just to make sure you don't get sad or you don't get hurt, but actually it's more to be there with you as you go through life, which will inevitably make you sad and hurt at times, that will allow for you guys to have a better relationship and for you to even have a better relationship with your own feelings. Mm -hmm. I totally understand that. And just thank you so much. Thank you. It was really nice talking to you. you. And if you do decide to study psychology, maybe what, in like 10 years or so, we'll we'll be colleagues and we can talk about uh, different psychology issues together. Of course. <laughs> of course. Thank you so much. Nice talking to you. Take care.
Nice talking to you. Bye-bye. Now, uh, since I have a minute before going to the commercial break, the first caller asked about breastfeeding, and then I got a message from someone to, to let me look at some research online. And so, as I mentioned, there are, isn't really hard and fast rules for sure, but um, looking at some information from the Center for Disease Control, the CDC in the United States, that is using some information from the American Academy of Pediatrics and also the World Health Organization, it seems that they suggest exclusively breastfeeding for the first six months or about the first six months, but then continuing that up to two years if possible, um, but while introducing other foods during that time period from six months on. But if you cancel two years, they are recommending both, it seems like the American Academy of Pediatrics and the World Health Organization because it can have benefits for uh, the immune system. Now, it doesn't say anything about things like oral fixation and the psychological side. Maybe they're only focusing on the physical side, the medical side, so I don't know what the other effects are, but um, this is just some information since that caller had asked. I wanted to share that. All right, we've reached a commercial break. Studio number 310-441-0555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fatty Delacqui. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the hello? air. Hello? Yes. Um, hello, Dr. Olakui. I was going to talk in Persian all of a sudden, but I had to uh, wait a second to talk to you in English. <laughs> yes, please. Uh, thank you. <laughs> um, I was just listening to your program. By the way, before I go on, I want to thank you for your time. And My especially pleasure. today, your uh, subject about uh, the previous caller, mother and daughter yes. is, uh, resonate with me mm-hmm. a, a lot. And uh, I felt like you really understood from mother's side also that what she feels. Um, when they constantly, you know, telling their, uh, their children what's right, what's not right, and being worried about them, and uh, especially when you say it, uh, parents are thinking of the safety part, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is true with me and my daughter as well. I think it resonates with, I could say, 99% of all mothers, especially Persian mothers. And um, I wanted to hear more about or hear information about how the mother, because when I was listening to that conversation, it was fantastic. You covered all the area in her you know, perspective. Mm-hmm. But not enough, I mean, you understood her perspective, but not enough helping her, how, because she's in pain, sure. and she's worried, right? Mm-hmm. So she doesn't want her daughter to be uh, all the things she feels when she's trying to save her, supposedly for safety reasons. Mm-hmm. She doesn't even want that. But how can she get the right help? And Because, you know, I've been here long enough. Uh, long time. I've been here myself from 18 years old, mm-hmm. and my daughter was born here, so I know about this culture and uh, all the things that is very different from mine till up to 18 years old. But I brought a lot of Persian values with me, which I'm proud of, a lot of it, and made my daughter very, very successful because, uh, you know, uh, I'm only uh, 60 and my daughter is 42, but 
I can see even up to now <laughs> that there are some things that I might know in life experiences, and I want to tell her about it ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes she doesn't want to hear that, and I understand that because of the probably she heard too many years about mm-hmm. it, right? Yeah. Uh, so, well, let me. Yeah, and people like me and her, mm-hmm. be, because if I don't tell any, I'm sorry, I just want to okay. clear my question. Yeah. Just find out I didn't uh, make my question clear. What I want to know that when I feel like when I do not ask her a question, when I do not offer, uh, when she says something, my expertise or advice or something, uh, I, I feel like if I don't do that, it's like somebody who's out of your mind, you know, you're not, I'm not loving her enough. Well, I don't care enough for her. Yeah. And that also bothers me too. Sure. I mean, a few things. One is, you know, I know you said it seemed like I understood or what the mom even was going through. I, I can't say I do. I, I try to understand, but I can't imagine what it's like to have um, a child yeah. and, of course, to be a mom and to work yeah. to worry about things. And I can understand that it, I can't understand exactly what it's like, but I can get that it must be so scary to worry about what can happen to your child. You love them so much. You're afraid of things that can happen to them. And I, I, I know that a lot of parents will say from the day I've talked to some women that say from the day you get pregnant, there's not a day you don't worry about something that can happen to them as far as either their development or something. And I can get that. I mean, I'm not, it depends on the degree what we're looking at. So um, it's much easier said than done. Even whatever I probably will share in the next few minutes will be a lot easier said than done, but I will share my thoughts. And so I say that, that I recognize how challenging it is, or I, I try to be aware of how hard it must be where you worry about your child and the thought of something happening to them is so almost unbearable that you want to prevent it at any costs. And then even as you're saying, there can be a feeling that if you're, it almost can feel like you're neglecting them if you don't share with them what you think you know or what you think will help them or prevent them from getting hurt. You can almost feel like you're hurting them by not yes, sharing Another that. thing is that I get hurt myself. Sure. Because, you know what I mean? It's not just hurting, I'm not caring enough. I don't like that feeling myself. Right. And that's actually a good part to mention, too, that this is why parents have to deal with their own feelings themselves. And we can't ask our kids to to try to make us feel okay or not. So, you know, if your child, your daughter, I don't know if she's married or has kids, but if you like a certain person she's dating or you'd rather her date someone else, you might have a preference. But at the end, it doesn't really matter. She has to marry who she wants to be with. So you might say, I have a feeling about this or I have a feeling about that, but that's up to her. And then also, of course, when we care about each other, we get affected by what happens to each other. So if you love someone and they start crying because they're having a bad day, of course you care. But the problem is how much you care and how much you can tolerate and then expect them to change that. Because this is what people do. They say, well, I love my kid. If I see them crying, how am I supposed to be okay with that? And the point is that you're not supposed to not care. That's actually not good. You care, but you have to be able to handle your own feelings about it and not say, you know what? When you cry, it makes me so sad that you have to stop crying because I can't tolerate it because that's not okay. And that's what a lot of parents do, either consciously or unconsciously, yeah. is they tell their kids that either explicitly or they make them feel that yeah. way. And this I, is where... I, I think, yeah, I do all that stuff. I'm beyond that. I'm, I, I'm looking for what can I do for my own feelings now, well, uh, just like the other mother. Because yeah. 
she she learns from you or a book or you know life experiences that well you know maybe she doesn't want to hear any advice from me whatsoever about yeah. anything right so what a, what a mother got to do in well, this situation so it doesn't uh, if he doesn't say anything feels like you know seems like I'm not going to love her enough and she not she's not going to love me enough because you know there's we have nothing to talk about well that's a problem too of. what you, you know just what I mean? but what you just said is a big problem see a lot of if your relationship with your child is how am i going to fix things for you or how am i going to tell you what to do with your life then you don't Not have all much... of it part of okay it. well but i mean if that's what you're saying but the way you said it yourself then oh. you don't have much of a relationship with them especially when your child is an adult you you know you have to give them that space and even from well, a young age there's such an important yeah. point of letting I hear you yeah, but, but I'm, me, I'm talking about my know, friends. But, like, you know, I'm, somebody is uh, my friend, my age. When we talk to each other, we're going to talk about life experiences. I went to this place, they did this, and you kind of say, okay, I experienced that, and oh, we should watch out for that. This conversation between friends, even when you say it to your child, the child thinks, oh, I'm going to be um, probably controlled. Yeah. Or she's telling me what to do. But it's the same normal conversation you have with but your But what friend. you have to be aware... Okay, a few things. First of all, any conversation, even if it's the same words, you're having it with your daughter is not the same as with your friend. And what you might not think always, of... Yeah. And what you're thinking of as normal, quote-unquote, conversation doesn't mean that it's not have a controlling flavor. Even in our conversation uh-huh. today, there's some of that. That and I'm when I'm trying. That's okay, but I just want you to be aware of that. What you might think of as a normal conversation, you might, because you want to express yourself so much, or you care so much about making sure your daughter really hears what you have to say, you might not even recognize when you're coming on in a way that makes her feel that it's too intense. It's not just a suggestion or a thought; it's almost a demand. Or it's almost said in a way that if you don't do this, you're going to be doing something bad or wrong or stupid or something I disapprove of. That's different than saying, hey, you know, I thought about this. What do you think? And then that's it. And leaving it there. But I don't get uh-huh. the sense that that's how you would say what you have to say. It could of come off not. in a way. I mean, I, you know, that's true because, you know, we are children. We, uh, we talk the way we always talk, right? Yeah. So uh, right. from the, uh, yeah, they are grown up and you try to be acting a little bit like, you know, they are grown up too, but it's more comfortable than you talking to a stranger. Right, exactly. You know, and so you yes, might not, you, you might not what notice. What can I do for myself <laughs> yes. to not to be feeling, you know, if I don't say anything, it come and she goes through something that I know, um, and I not give that advice ahead of time to her that she's going to do something, but giving her that advice, and then she's still going to do it. I mean, she, uh, thank God she has done whatever she wanted to, to do up to now, and despite whatever I have said already, so I don't feel too bad but that I prevent her okay, from but then if you're saying Okay, but if you're saying that, then you okay, a few things. One, you're realizing even if you give her the advice, she might not do it, so it doesn't even matter. Yeah. But And then second, you're even saying, yeah, good thing she didn't always take my advice because maybe she made sometimes better decisions. And then also there's that, you use the word know. I know it's the better thing to do. And this is where... Yeah, because she learned it later when I she know. didn't listen to my advice. Okay, and, and that, that can uh, be okay too. she still turns it around and you say... She is still like that, or whatever okay. she did. Well, but, but I know that sentence is for me is still 
that she's fine with it even if she makes a mistake. Because so that's what life is about. It's, life yeah. isn't just about someone yeah. living it for us. And again, that's something that came up with the last caller. And I just wanted to prevent her from pain and it happened. I know, but a lot of times you're preventing me from talking too. Life is not just about <laughs> preventing pain and stopping them from getting hurt. And your life, you shouldn't live your life that way. Don't live. Yeah. Don't worry about your kid's life. How are you doing that to yourself where you could do something that might be better for you, but because you might get hurt, you don't do it. And that's yeah. what you should also look at. And that's another aspect of this. As moms, as dads, you have to have more of your, make sure your own life is your biggest priority, not just your kids, especially as they become adults. You have to have things that are going on in your own life that are yeah. filling your time. And going back Can to I that. Say, yes, of course. Uh, let me, one more thing yes, about this area? But let me say a few I, more things. Hold I'm on. Sorry, I, yes. I didn't hear yes. You. So, but also this, I, I want to go back to this word no. You have uh-huh. to realize you know, and I'm, I'm saying this as m- myself as well, you might not know as much as you think you quote-unquote know. Oh, you have an opinion. That, that right. So you have an opinion that I think this is the better way, but you don't know that she has to do this or has to do it. But you say it in a way that I know. So if I know and I don't tell her that I'm being a bad mom, yeah, if you know the bridge is broken and someone's about to drive off of it, that is really mean. Uh-huh. But usually it's not like that. It's that I think... This person is not the right person for you. I think, I think, I don't know. Yeah. But you saying it even to me, the way you've shared some things and the way you might tell her when you feel even more emotional about it, I know if she does this, she's going to get hurt. I know if she uh-huh. does this, life is bad. I have to stop it at any cost to make sure she doesn't do that. And so that's where I want you to be aware of when you say no, to talk to yourself mm-hmm. first. I think I know, but I don't, I'm saying no, but maybe I don't really know what's going to happen yeah. for her. So maybe I shouldn't assume I know what's the best thing. I hear you, and I believe it or not, I've been doing a lot of it, but I still there is some situation that uh, anxiety, right, uh, of mm-hmm. she being safe is overcoming, and I tell her that, you know, can I just tell you this? I say it like that, and uh, sometimes she, she wants to hear it, sometimes she doesn't. Yeah. Um, but the time that she doesn't, it hurts me, um, and I, you know, I don't want to even have that ten percent, twenty percent the time that might ha- this happen, because I'm working on. I have been working for eighty percent of it already. Well, so but I, here's the I thing: I don't know how to get rid of the yeah. leftover of it. But that's what you know. Again, going back to your role isn't to tell her what to do. That's not what a mom or dad is. And you feel like if I don't yeah. tell her, you know, it's not okay. And if she tells you I don't want to, it's just like right now, if someone you don't want to massage you starts to massage you, mm-hmm. you'll tell them, please stop t- touching me. It's not that no yeah. massage is good for you. It's good for your muscle. No, you don't. Please don't touch me. Or if you don't want food and someone brings you food, you say, I don't want to eat this right now. They can say, no, no, because it's food and I brought it for you. You have to eat it. And that's actually what a lot, a lot of moms will do is they, they show their love through the different ways like food dads will do it too but in the persian uh-huh. culture we see it more with the mom yeah. and then if the person doesn't want it they feel rejected and they get mad at that person but that's not really coming from love that's coming yeah. from you wanting something rather than really trying to give something it's trying to take yeah. care of yourself i will feel good if you take my advice so you have to take my advice more than yeah. i want to give you something if you're giving so someone something I, it's up to I them repeat what you're saying about the understanding of it mm-hmm. That you you're uh, saying that it might work better for me, and just by practicing it, eventually I get used to that feeling, and I'm not going to be as much hurt by not giving advice at all. 
in any situation to no. ask for it. Well, I think that's a big part is that she, her asking for it. Actually, it came up on Monday's show, too. I talked a bit about giving advice. And that the most important thing, first of all, when it comes to advice and someone taking our advice is the relationship you have with them. Not even how good the advice is, but if they feel like you don't try to control them, that you want to just suggest something, that you understand them, that they have a healthy relationship with you and they respect your opinion, they're more likely to hear you anyway. But what you said at the end is very big, is that someone has to want your advice. We don't, we can't just force it down their throat, going back to the kind of like an analogy with the food. You can't say, well, I made you this food, you have to eat it, because that makes me feel good that you eat yeah. the food. With our information, it, it's the same thing. Maybe I give you example that you see what area. Let's okay. say, um, you know, she's, I, if somebody from outside looks very successful and, and it's true, everything. But from inside, I have some information that I feel like this is not, you know, just procrastination is, is costing her, okay. you know, some, uh, something financial. And I've been letting her know for a year and I keep watching um, to see because I, I can't, there is certain situation that I can um, see that it hasn't been uh, done. So, uh, and it, it bothers me and it has taken me a whole year and I haven't still t uh, repeated myself to her. Okay. And, but I know every day it's costing her money. Mm -hmm. And this is is really but it, it pays me because in a way I'm protecting her, right? I'm trying to protect her, but at the same time I know she's not gonna like it if well, I tell her. Yeah. So I'm in pain in a in a in a different way that I care for this person. I can't say anything and I'm not controlling it, I'm not saying anything, but what do I do with my own then how do I get over this? Well, let's say that, is she is she financial is she almost homeless because of this financial? No, she's okay. very successful. Okay, so then you have to also look at the pain. If she's costing herself money, that's on her. There's probably things you're doing in your own life where financially you can be doing smarter decisions or doing something or being proactive. So again, it doesn't mean the advice is wrong. What you're saying, maybe it's better for her to do this. I'm not, I don't even know, and we don't have to get into that. But that the way, the pain you're talking about, that she's losing money, mm -hmm. okay, that's up to her. She's losing money. That's up to her to, that's not your pain. And you don't have to, every dollar that she loses is not like a, a sign that you're being not a good enough mom, or it's up to you. This is not your responsibility. She is doing that. And that's, that's why okay. I feel like I don't love her enough, maybe. No, of course. And I'm not finding the right no. way to tell her. If you want to tell, and <laughs> even if I would, if you want, I would say if you want to talk to her, first of all, she says, I don't want to talk about it at all. She doesn't. Rather than telling her about the money, rather than telling her you're losing this much money you're doing that, it seems like if she's procrastinating it, there's some kind of anxiety there. Something is going on. And yeah, I would seek I to understand. Okay. Okay. But then you have to try to understand, which means if you're talking more than her, then you're not having the right kind of conversation. Right. You can ask her and she can tell you, no, mom, it's nothing. And then you don't say, it's this, it's this, it's this. Say, okay, I just get the sense that, you know, it seems like you want to do it, but maybe you're nervous about it. Is there anything? And you can just ask her that. And if she says she doesn't want to talk, that's it. But if she does, maybe she'll share, you know what, Mom, I'm afraid of this or that or something about it doesn't feel right. But rather than I focusing on the... I think she doesn't have an interest. Okay, she maybe she doesn't. She doesn't have an interest at all about, uh, maybe because she makes a lot of money, 
okay. already, and she's been able to do so far what she wants uh, to do. But she's going to, if she's, you know, she's not doing anything bad or anything. Yeah. I'm very lucky about that and stuff. But, you know, but the way you talked about it. But, you, but can I stop you for a, a second? Decision. The way you talk about it is as if we're talking about a crisis. No, it's not a crisis. Okay, so that's the part where it's you have to... It's not a crisis, but it's wasting a That's lot fine. Of, uh, uh, you, let me... Hold on, hold on, hold on. You waste time every day. I waste time every day. I waste money yeah. every day. You waste money every... So, yes, is there a perfect way that she can live her life? Yes, but this is what I'm talking about when you're you're making things a crisis. Think about yourself. Today, did you do everything you could to make your day the best possible day possible? Did you exercise, meditate, eat the right things, do work, do financial? I mean, you probably didn't, and that's okay. You're a human being. But then if you put that expectation on her that every day she's doing something that loses $50, and so every day I have to remind her or else I'm a bad mom because I'm making her lose $50. It's not about her spending. It's about the just the paperwork, okay. for example, for that's- the... But that's on her. You know, putting it in the right way. Okay. But that's up to her. And just, that, just that. And she doesn't want to even get into that. Okay. That's her choice. And you have to, at uh-huh. some point, let her make live her life. And, and mm-hmm. again, that's like creating that separation. How do, I, how do I get over this feeling that I want to protect her not to yeah, lose, but, for example, lose something or whatever it right. is? Right. But that, I mean, it's right? like taking on too much responsibility and worrying too much about things making this so important and it goes back to it's a little bit different but with the other caller about pain somehow like it's okay even if she does something and she gets hurt it's okay even if your child is five and that happens sometimes it's okay to let them get a little bit hurt not to allow them to Mm -hmm. something that's avoidable but okay they get into a fight with their friend let them deal with it don't just go fix it for them you know because it's going to hurt them so she's yeah it would be nice but she's fine we don't need to worry about some tragedy happening right now but the way you talked about it the intensity of the emotion i would have thought if she doesn't well, do is, this it is just throwing like it's, yeah, the okay. money is just thrown, being thrown sure, away for no reason just if one paperwork is going to yeah. fix it okay but, that and that's yeah. up to her you brought it up to her and if she doesn't want to hear it that's fine I mean, we have to just let her make the, if it's a good choice, bad choice. She's 42, especially, even if she was 22, but she's 42. Yeah. We got to let her make, that's her to deal with the consequences of that. It doesn't mean you don't love her. Yeah. I don't hear one ounce of you not loving her because you don't make her do that paperwork. And that's that's okay. the thing about, you know, parents in general. It's not about making your kids do anything. It's about... So I just have to accept that. You're suggesting I just have to accept it. That's a big step, yeah. And and then deal with the feelings yourself. And it goes away. It might go away. It might not. But if you realize you're not responsible for the decisions she makes, that might help you. Mm -hmm. You're not responsible for what she does. Even even the way you said it, I wanted to say something. You said, because of the Persian things I instilled in her, she's very successful. I mean, I'm sure you were a great mom, but I also give most of her success credit to herself. Not because you instilled some Persian... cultural that, thing because if she didn't study it yeah she right be where she is. right so you're not that responsible for if she does good or if she does bad you've done your job as yeah. a mom and you still are there for I her but supported it in the right way that's all right you can do yeah. yeah so i mean it, as it is with a lot of parents caring a little bit less will actually help you and help her and help your relationship with her it doesn't mean you're careless yeah. or you don't care about her but making these things less intense will actually allow for you yeah. to be more okay. She's okay. Okay, every month she's losing yeah. $500. I don't even know how much it is. She's all right. She That's actually, 
you write in the, I remember once and tw- twice during these years he said you love me too much yeah and, it's too much the intensity and that's the thing is like it's kind of like if you're sque- holding something but if you start squeezing you hurt the person yeah. right so if you're hugging yeah. someone and you squeeze too tight you're going to hurt them you have to hug in a way that they feel comfortable you don't let go either completely but you still hug yeah. them you know, I do want to get to other callers but I appreciate you calling in thank you so much have a great day that. take care thank you bye bye all right, going to another commercial break. We'll be right back. با توجه به تحولات اخیر، سوالات جدیدی در رابطه با تحریم‌ها و چگونگی رابطه بانکی با ایران به وجود آمده است. در دفتر حقوقی یزدانیار، تخصص ما مسائل مربوط به تحریم‌های اقتصادی می‌باشد. قبل از هر گونه مبادلات با ایران با من، مهنوش یزدانیار در دفتر حقوقی یزدانیار تماس بگیرید تا ما شما را در این موارد پیچیده قانونی یاری کنیم. شماره تماس 310-780-6360 Welcome back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hi, Dr. Halakwe. Hi, thanks Thank for calling. Thank you so much. Thank you for giving me the time. Sure. And before I go to my uh, question, I'd like to extend my appreciation to you and your dad for the knowledge you share with the Persian community. What you give us, you cannot find it in any book. Oh, so thank really you very much. I appreciate that. I'm so blessed to have you and your dad in our life. Thank you. It's definitely my pleasure. I appreciate that so much. Thank you. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I uh, heard... Um, Something happened to my friend last week that it has made me feel very angry. I am very sad and I feel for her that a husband after 10 years cheats on her. Mm-hmm. And these days, because we are a more, uh, it is very open to hear a lot of information through social media, these reality TV shows, uh, that you hear this more and more. So before I go to my main question, I'd like to find out, are men, um, do they have a stronger sex drive than women? Is that a fact? Because of their nature, the way they're born, the way their body is, and they are way easier tempted to uh, to answer to their sexual drive than women. Is that a fact? I don't, well, okay. There's a lot to say because based on your question, it kind of goes to a lot of different directions. But do men seem to have more of a sex drive? Yes, but not in this drastic way that people talk about it. Like it's so different. That does not seem to be the case. Um, And of course, within individuals, you might even see the roles reversed. But so there isn't this stronger sense. What we do see also, we have to be aware of, you know, we talk about, do men have a stronger sex drive? As if it's just, we're just looking at men, but we're also looking at how people are in a culture or in societies that might uh, give different types of freedoms or different feelings to people about how they express certain things. So when it's made very okay for a man to have sexual drives and urges, but then in certain cultures, a woman can feel ashamed to be too sexual or to have sex or to act in a sexual way, that, of course, will uh, affect the expression of a certain drive. So it's not just we can look at even behavior only, 
to give us an idea of where the drives lie because we have to look at the effects of culture. But let's say men have slightly more. It's not something extreme the way I see it. Also, infidelity, of course, it's hard to do research on infidelity because people are usually hiding it or lying about it or so they might underreport it or lie about it. But um, some studies will show that it's close to even, the men and women being unfaithful in relationships. Some say slightly more for men. Um, but it's not that different. And then so if we look at evolutionary reasons, because you'll hear a lot of, especially men, uh, it, to me it's almost funny that because they want to make their own cheating okay, they all of a sudden become evolutionary biologists or psychologists and say, oh, no, men need to spread their genes and their seeds, so they have to be with lots of women, and that's a desire for them to have. But then if you actually look at it, there's reasons for women to be unfaithful from an evolutionary perspective too, because they can... Uh, make it unclear who the paternity, so they might get resources for more people. They might want to get superior genes, so they can even want to have sex with multiple men to see what happens in that regard. So there's, and I'm not even listing all of them because I can't think of them off the top of my head, but there's even more reasons for women from just an evolutionary perspective to be unfaithful. So the thought that it's only men that would want to cheat is not at all the basis of evolutionary biology and psychology that that wouldn't be the case but so to answer your question it's yes maybe but not by much and then also even if that were the case let's say there's a stronger sex drive for men um it doesn't in any way justify or make it okay to be unfaithful that at not that, that there does not we can't say because you have some feeling or desire you're allowed to act on it because that doesn't make sense because yeah, I can get into some other examples, but I'll leave it at that because I want to give you a chance to share what your question was or questions following that were. What you said, of course, makes a perfect sense. In different societies, it is how people have been treated, raised, and, um, you know, been um, susceptible to certain um, criteria uh, that it can change the way their perception is. But... Uh, so if I uh, so if I assume that men are way easier tempted by a female. Well, I mean that's I don't know, but way easier is kind of a I don't know if I agree with that, but okay. Uh, more than let's okay. say just let's just you say hear more that men are more tempted to to go in bed with a stranger because yeah. you know they saw a sign. Okay. Or they, they, they got an invitation. Sure. Men are more... Men, when it comes to just sex, we know that men are also less discriminate as far as they'll have... They're more likely to say okay to having sex with a new partner than a woman is and without knowing them very well. Yeah. So men do have more of a... That is true. Okay. okay. So but let's say that's the case. Is, yeah. Right. So my, it brings me to the question, why do they even marry? Why do and, men? Yeah. Why do they even marry when they want to, you know, they want to have more options. They want to have, uh, you know, more um, options on their menu than just fucked with one. And then the, more, the men who do not, who are very faithful, are they really extremely great human beings? <laughs> well, I think there's, you, <laughs> asked, you asked many questions, but I mean, to, to answer the last one, no. I mean, but it can reflect that we put a very low standard sometimes on certain people or on certain men. The other example I've heard that's related to that is that sometimes, uh, you know, if people see a dad with their child at the park, they say, oh, my gosh, what an amazing dad. 
Um, but when women might do, a mom might do 10 times more than that, but they won't hear anything. But there's such a low expectation from the father that even when they're involved in a minimal way, they get a lot of credit or it's a big deal. Just like you're saying, if a man is being faithful, um, they should be considered a great human being. And no, they're just holding or um, being true to a commitment that they've made, which is good, but it's not something extra. That's really the minimum is you should remain faithful to your partner if you're making that kind of a commitment. So no, I don't think we should say, I think it's good for them to do that, but we shouldn't think that if someone is faithful, it means they're an incredible human being. Uh, it almost shows, unfortunately, that we're making it too easy for people to have an affair or thinking that it's not that bad to break this vow that you're making to a partner when you're committing. And then related to that, what you were saying before, if someone thinks they don't want to be with one person, they definitely shouldn't get married. I mean, that, that's something they should think about, that you are, when you make that commitment, you understand that you will be attracted to other people. You find other people attractive. And that's something that comes up a lot, even when people feel the, the other extreme, like, I shouldn't even find anyone else attractive if I get married. And no, that's not going to change. You still will see people as attractive. It's what you do on, based on that that matters. You know, you can get a car and you look at other cars and they're nice. That's fine. But if you go jump in those cars and drive them away, that's when we have a problem. You can't, that's not okay, but you still think other cars are nice. Now, I don't want to say cars and people are the same, but what I, my point is just because you commit to someone doesn't mean that everyone else becomes ugly to you or unattractive. It's what we do with that. And also we have to give ourselves in a way more credit or more responsibility that even if we have temptations, attractions, different feelings, it doesn't mean we have to act on them. You know, we can have, exactly. we can be hungry. And if we walk by people eating at a restaurant, we don't just grab the food and start eating it and say, well, I was hungry and that's a human drive and I need to feed my body and give myself food. You say, no, I'm hungry. I have to find a way that's appropriate to, to meet that need or that desire right now. And so you can find people attractive, but the, what you do on that to me is very important and very much in our, I want to say control. We have control over how we act on those urges. And if you make that commitment to someone, absolutely, it's up to you to make that commitment true by following through with it. And I don't think it's fair for a man to say, well, it's natural for me to cheat, just like it wouldn't be okay for a woman to say that either. I don't agree with that at all. Very true. And then signing a contract, at least uh, it is very minimal to stay respectful to it, and it should not make you above, uh, you know, above other human beings. I agree with you 100%. Thank you for the sure. explanation. Yeah, it, thanks for your question. Yeah, it uh, clears it for me a little better. And I have another question in relationship to my um, kids with in respect to the conversation you had with your other callers. When it um, comes to certain situations, that I don't want to be controlling to my uh, in their lives. Mm -hmm. I always try to share my experiences with them, and I say, you know, the least you can do, I you don't have to do it, but listen to what I have to say or what I went through. It works for me. Maybe it works for you too. Would that be controlling? Would it? Well, you know, even if it, I ask them yeah. harder, yes, mm -hmm. go ahead and do it. Well, See what sure. I it depends. It depends how you... First of all, they have to want to hear it because you said the least you can do is you have to hear what I have to say. And depending right. on their age and things especially, but I would say they don't have to hear what you have to say. They can not want to hear it. Um, and you have to also be aware, even if they say they want to hear it, how we present what I did could come off as saying what I did was right. If you don't do what I did, you're wrong. Or if you don't learn from 
the lesson I learned, you're doing something wrong. So we have to be aware of how strongly we even share that. I can say, you know what, let me tell you what I went through and that's it. Or I can say, I did this and it was really stupid that I did this. So now you determine what you want to do. I could be telling you you're stupid if you make a certain decision, you know? So we have to be aware of how we still present it because it still can come off as a very strong, we have to be aware of, is it a suggestion or sharing or are we almost making a demand or coming off as controlling? And it's not always so clear because you can share your own story, but it can come off in a very demanding way or it can come off in a way where like, you know, if you want to know what I went through, I can tell you. And first they have to say yes. So I wouldn't say you have to hear what I have to say or what I went through if they want to hear it, but even still be mindful that you're not forcing it on them, that it's just sharing with them. Makes 100% yeah. sense. Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks for, for calling. Have a great day. Thank you. Take care. You too. Bye bye. Going into our last commercial break, we'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. Thanks for calling. Um, hello. Hi. Not too bad. Thank you for accepting my call sure. here today. Thank you for calling. Go ahead. Um, yes, I, I know that my time is here limited, so I'm just going to try to keep the questions to my current state right now. Okay. I'm very conflicted with the relationship that I'm in. Um, I don't know which direction to go, and I was maybe hoping to be able to get some guidance from you. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Sure. Uh, okay, so I've been with this guy for almost six years, and we've um, been through a lot of different hardships together Two and a half years into our relationship, he was injured at work, and since he's had two back surgeries, ACL and knee surgery, or ankle surgery, and all of these different things have put a lot of different restraints on our relationship and have completely changed him in many different ways. Um, after, in between some of the surgeries, we had a son together, and um, New Year's Eve, I found some things in his phone which... Uh, at that point, we were in a really dark place within our relationship anyway, so I decided to just break the engagement off. Did you say and you guys had, had a son together? Did I hear you right? Yes. Okay, yes. how old is we your son? We have a son together. And, um, how old is your son? Broke off. He is two. Two, okay. Yeah, he's still very young. And, sure. And what did uh, you find What did you find in his phone, that he was talking to other women, or what was the... Yes. And it was just, like, videos from another lady um, during the time that I was pregnant, actually, which I thought we were really happy then. Mm-hmm. Um, videos of him with them or just videos that they had sent him? That she had been sending him. Okay. Okay. Um, I didn't confront him about it for a month, but I broke up with him because around the time he was being very sketchy anyway. Like, he was going out to have a drink with someone but wouldn't come home all night and things like that. So I just was like, you know what, let me just stop things where they're at now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been broken up or separated since, and that's like January, or yeah, January. Um, I've been really angry and bitter and resentful towards him, but recently it's been like a new breakthrough where I kind of am realizing that there's a lot of things that I've done to contribute to like where we are within our relationship today and um i've decided that like you know for the sake of my son because we both come from like separated um broken families i know the significance of both parents in the household and i want to make it work for him so i've told him this 
and uh, he's kind of now telling me that he's begun seeing someone else, and he's conflicted and confused. Um, he doesn't know. He's afraid to, like, try and for us to go back to the same place that we were. Mm-hmm. And, um, but on the other hand, he's telling me that we're going to go to counseling, we're going to make things work, and then on the flip side of the coin, I'm hearing from our friends that he's taking this girl out, and this new girl out, and, like, taking her to, like, a bigger city from where we're at, and just spending a lot of time on her, and I, I honestly, like, um, I don't know which direction to go, because part of me wants to just cut my losses, and, mm-hmm. you know, move forward, but, like, my tradition, you know, being from a Iranian culture, and also, um, my, like, heart, it's making it hard to detach. And he also feeds me all of these different things that, obviously, like, I, I, I'm suckered into. And I, I don't really know which direction to go. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, did you confront him eventually about that you found what you found? Yeah. Okay, so he knows that. And then what did he, did yeah. he confess to having relationships? What did he say? He laughed. He laughed. And was like, I would never be with her. She sent me those videos. I didn't even know they were in my phone. Like, you know, she's ugly and just kind of downplayed it and made it seem like I am making something a big issue when it was very much a very big issue. What What were those videos? I mean, without getting too detailed and we're on the air. They so were very to... graphic videos of okay. her just um, being very sexual. Okay. Yeah. So that's and, and that's not okay. Um, no. and so my concern, even in the way you said he responded to it is that he took that lightly and takes things a little bit too lightly as far as what's important yeah. in the relationship. Uh, but even him dating someone else, not you guys broke up, so it's okay for him to do that. And I know you mm-hmm. said your culture, and I'm not saying what you've done is wrong because you've made whatever decisions you've made, but you know, it's not that the path you've taken with him was the traditional path anyway. So um, right. I wouldn't let that play much of a factor being in a home with two parents. Sure. I think that's going to be better, but when it's a healthy relationship, if not, it's going to be much worse for your son to be in a home where the parents are not happy with each other. There isn't love or there's fights or there isn't trust. And that's a big, big, uh, concern I would have. And I mean, of course mm-hmm. it matters how you think and feel about it, but you being yeah, able to okay. trust him, you know, and so you might not feel that based on how he ignored it and downplayed it. And then it never really seemed to have gotten resolved. And so you mm-hmm. can make the choice to try to make things work with him. But I think you guys would have to make some very clear ground rules and boundaries about what's going on that, okay, we're ending, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're not talking to anyone else. If we're really going to counseling, it doesn't make sense to me for you and him to go to counseling and he's still talking to some other girl or dating someone else or for you to be dating anyone else. Um, And and you could try that. But really, I I would just hope you don't downplay any of the issues that are going on and and almost take out, well, because of my son, we're going to do this. You can work on, I always tell people, don't stay together for the kids, work together for the kids, meaning you can work mm-hmm. on it and make a good relationship. But if you can't make a better and good relationship, then end the relationship because that's just going to hurt uh-huh. them more. So just staying two parents in a home because you've read some you know, their statistics saying that, that's when the, it's like assuming you're having a good marriage. If you have a bad marriage, it's better for you to be, and there's even research showing if it's a bad marriage, it's better for the kids to be in separate, you know, right. for the parents to get divorced. So, that's, yeah. Uh-huh. That's exactly why I broke off um, our engagement in the first place. Mm-hmm. But now I'm kind of in a place with him where um, it's almost like 
he won't let me move on. Like, for example, yesterday he came to pick up our son, and um, this weekend he was with this girl the entire weekend. And when he came to pick up our son, he tried to give me a kiss, and I kind of backed away. And now he is very offended, and now he's just, like, being very disrespectful and rude. And I've tried to set boundaries with him, but whenever I set boundaries, he says, well, that's your boundary, not mine, so it's your problem, not mine. No, and that's, I don't not, really that's not how boundaries work. But when you say being disrespectful, what is he doing that's disrespectful? Uh, he just says really um, rude things, very uh, belittling comments, and just tries to make me feel less than he is. It's almost like emotional abuse yeah. and mental abuse. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know if it's something that has profanity, which you wouldn't be able to say, but when you say belittling you, what does he say? Um, well, he just, like, says things, for example, something that I could probably say on the air is, like, you're not, are you, you're too stupid to comprehend, like, X, Y, and Z. And, you know, it's just, it just things yeah. like that to where he is trying to make you feel less than. So, although it's nothing not, he doesn't want to make me feel, I want you to own it, he's making you feel that way. And you were the one, oh, yeah. you have to, I want to make, because I'm saying that so you recognize, you're thinking about being with this person, and he's making you feel like you're less than. And maybe he does it to everyone, so maybe that's part of why you're saying it that way, too. But that's why I'm wondering what makes you want to be with him. Um, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I think that he has a lot of great qualities as well. I'm sure. He's really thoughtful, caring, generous, kind. But then on the flip side, he is very, I think he's bipolar, to be honest, mm. like, um, he says really hurtful things, and then he turns around and he's like, well, I hope you're not busy this weekend. I want to send you wine tasting. And it's like, you just got done, you know, saying all these nasty things to me, and then now that you, you know, I don't know, calmed down, now you just yeah. try to, like, cover it up with something. Well, um, I mean, I'm not going to say he doesn't have bipolar, but what you're describing there, although I can see how it seems like it's so extreme one day to the next mm-hmm. that it feels like bipolar, but it seems like there's an anger and even more of like a selfishness and narcissism there. And, yeah. but then he still doesn't want to lose you. So he tries to get you back. And so that charming side is more of a ploy to get you back than genuine kindness and love. And something mm-hmm. else for you to think about is that if you were with him for six years and I'm only getting a glimpse, so I don't want to make stark conclusions, yeah. even though I maybe already am, but um, you have to look at why, were you with someone that was treating you this way for six years? Why was that okay to you? Something is there. And I do wish, I, I know you were on hold for a long time that we could have had more time mm-hmm. to get into your own yeah. history and past. Cause there, I'm sure there's some connections there. Um, before okay. you even go to couples therapy with him, it might not be bad for you to go to your own therapy to figure some of these things out, to help you even make that decision okay. of moving forward with him. Because, you know, there's always going to be issues in relationships, but for me, there's never space for disrespect Um, because that's like a poison and that's always going to kill a relationship and it's hard to have a loving feeling or feel loved by someone who disrespects you and so it's going to be hard for you to feel you said constantly yeah yeah okay then that's going to be very very challenging and almost impossible to really feel loved and that's why i'm going to go back to i want you to try to understand what made you okay with this for so long if it's a constant disrespect and now I'm even feeling when you said, well, my tradition, that it's actually maybe even more deep that it's like if there's something in your family that relates to this, so there might be something familiar about it rather than it being about culture. It's something that already feels familiar to you that allows you to 
yeah. be with this kind of a person or be in this kind of a relationship. So it might be more that. It seems like the way you expressed it was almost like excuses of going back to the comfort zone or the familiar or something that's unhealthy, but you've done it before, so you just go back there. And it's part of that compulsion to repeat what's happened in our past rather than it being a good relationship. Because I think when you tell me, it's almost like you're telling me, hey, I shouldn't be with this guy, but I'm thinking about being with this guy. Or I know this is wrong, what he does to me, but for some reason I might mm -hmm. still be with him. So I would really recommend, I, I hope we can talk you know, another time, or if you can go to yes. therapy and talk about these things a bit more, because I think there's a lot mm -hmm. there. And just remember, you never, there should never be disrespect in a healthy relationship, no matter what. Talking down to your partner is never okay. And the way you're saying it's constant and even more extreme than what you wanted to share on the air because of, you know, maybe mm -hmm. it's not even okay to share it on the air. That concerns me mm -hmm. a lot. And I do have to wrap up the show, but I appreciate you calling. Mm -hmm. Hope we can talk Thank again you. and hope you'll get some help for yourself too. Absolutely. Thank okay. you so much for your time My and pleasure. your great guidance. Thank you. My pleasure. Have a great day. You as well. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you all the callers and the listeners out there in Zogazola here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dawak.